You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 228 of Podcateers. This week, Gavin went to the 25th anniversary Nightmare Before Christmas show at the Hollywood Bowl, and he recaps his experience. Are Mickey and Minnie finally getting their own attraction at Disneyland? We talk about the new VR animation short Cycles, and we discuss the announcement that the president of Pixar and Disney Animation, Ed Catmull, is retiring at the end of the year. More info on things that we talk about in this episode can be found at podcateers.com slash 228. You can also join the conversation by leaving a comment on the blog post for the episode or on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for podcateers. That's P-O-D-K-E-T-E-E-R-S. If you want to check out some of our videos on YouTube, make sure you go to youtube.com slash podcateers and youtube.com slash Disney for two. Hit that subscribe button and ring that bell icon for notifications of whenever new videos are posted. Our next Teamboat Willie event is upon us. We're trying to raise money and support of finding a cure for women's cancers. We are almost halfway to our goal of $1,000. So if you can make a small donation, even $1, head on over to teamboatwillie.com. Super simple to remember because it's like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Big thanks to everyone that participated in our last auction for the Hatbox Ghost Tiki Cup. You all made the auction a tremendous success, and we appreciate all of you for your support. Before we start, I'd like to send a quick shout out and huge thank you to the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that helped make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you would like to become a member of the FGP Squad or just want a little bit more information about what it's about, head on over to podcateers.com FGP. All right, let's do this. Have a safe and happy Halloween, unless you're listening to this after Halloween, then I hope you got some great candy. Here is episode 228 of Podcateers. I'm telling you guys, if I had the know-how, I would totally put together a costume like that. I mean... Wouldn't you want to walk around looking like a VHS tape for hours and hours on end? Yeah. I mean, it probably got the most attention anywhere that costume went because, I mean, that's such an iconic thing. And to create a costume out of it is genius. I'd be throwing, I love this concept. <laughs> I would be throwing quotes at them just for fun. <laughs> 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 I, I, it's a perfect costume if you have two friends. One can dress up like one of those Vicar machines <gasps> that you play it on, and then the other one's like an right. old-timey TV. Right? Yeah. I think that would be super cool. That would be cool. Yes. So, or but, or you have a and you have a fourth friend that's just one of those rewinder machines. Oh, and they're, remember those? they're carrying a sign that says rewind. "Be kind, rewind." Yeah. Yes. We used to have one of those. No joke. We used to have one of I, those that looked like a tiny red Corvette. Yes. Nice. My parents too. <laughs> those were the great. And then you could have a fifth friend that's dressed up as a blockbuster, but the eyes are two X's. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then you have another friend that has a sign that says the only remaining blockbuster in the world. <laughs> right? Or is that Alaska? <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. Ah, we're taking it too far at this point. Oh, oh, one more, one more. We have one friend dressed as the Disney vault and it's slightly open and the VHS is popping out of it. When? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, in case you guys don't know what we are talking about, 
uh, this last week on our Instagram account. We posted a super cool costume, uh, somebody that went to Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland. And if I mangle this name, I'm so sorry because I'm just great at that apparently. But quick shout out <laughs> to Casey. At uh, Casey Rose is her Instagram tag or K-A-Y-S-E-R-O-S-E. Uh, if you haven't seen it on our Instagram, head over to podcasters.com slash 228. We'll have the post there for you to check out. It is an amazing costume. Literally, it looks like it was a blown up VHS case and somehow she found a way to stick herself in it because it opens up and there's a tape inside. And <laughs> it's so amazing. Hashtag costume goals. Yep. Top tier custom costume making. That was incredible you know doing a clamshell case is just like i said before it's just so iconic you know it's not like just a sleeve with a vhs in it like most movies were but those disney home video movies like every kid had a shelf full of those right growing up so we all know what those were (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i didn't and seeing that just brings back all the feels and all the memories of, you know, your favorite Disney movie back in the day. And it did for me. And I, I loved it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's not the first time she's done it. Once we, Oh, really? Yeah. When we reposted it on Instagram, she left us a comment saying that she's done it two other times with Aladdin and the Lion Ooh. King. The Lion King was the oh, first version. Of that's it. cool. Very yeah. cool. So if you guys want some inspiration and have uh, a ton of time, I don't even know how, how long it took to put this together. All I'm I know curious. is that it is ridiculously awesome. Mm-hmm. And if I could put something like, I, you know what I'm working with as far as my costume is concerned, and I don't even think I'm going to be able to finish it at this point. I'm working with two pieces of foam core board. Mm. that's right (laughs) i'm sandwich boarding for this halloween (laughs) and am i gonna get it done probably not duct tape (laughs) no i mean there's a lot of cutting and painting and all sorts of stuff involved so i honestly don't think i'm gonna get this done just because of some of the stuff that i have on my plate between now and halloween Mm -hmm. and technically it's not even halloween because i have to be at work so it would have to be the night before halloween which happens to be editing time for the podcast because it's a tuesday night it looks like i'm gonna have to go dressed in that classic costume hazen <laughs> oh you're going as a monster cool that's it. <laughs> oh, what a jerk <laughs> wow you left the door open man i had to i had to or or i could do what vj does and get one of those t-shirts that just says this is my halloween costume right <laughs> i i don't know where he got his for 12 dollars, but i've seen them and they're like 24 bucks so he's gonna have to send me a link or something well i think he got his about 10 years ago so oh, t-shirt yeah, prices with inflation definitely gone up. okay fine 24 dollars. <laughs> or i can just take a white shirt and get a sharpie right yeah there you go <laughs> i'm gonna put ghost DIY. <laughs> i like it uh, uh well uh before we continue i just want to send out a quick shout out also to everyone that made our hatbox ghost 
Tiki Cup auction this last weekend, an absolute success. We were just taken back by what the response was from everybody just kind of spreading the word and tagging people, bidding on it. We saw a lot of people selling this cup on eBay and selling it in, on external sites for a lot of money. And for collectors, you know, some people are willing to pay that money. And we felt that if you wanted to pay that amount, that it could also go to a really great cause. And that's exactly what happened. So to everyone that took the time to bid on it, uh, to our winner, thank you guys so very much. Congratulations, Bill. You guys, uh, you guys are amazing. I don't even know what to say. You guys just continue helping make a difference in the world. This is going towards finding a cure for cancer because cancer sucks. And we just yeah, don't want it around anymore. Yeah, I can't believe how much uh, everybody jumped in on that auction and just, you know, watching the, the, the price go up throughout the day. Uh, you know, I know Charlie and I were watching that and we were shocked and impressed and so thankful that, you know, it went for such a good price. And, uh, you know, somebody's going to get a fantastic Disney souvenir. You know, I, I've held these things in my hand and looked at them up close. They're really awesome. So they're getting something great and they're doing a great thing by donating that money to this charitable cause uh and yeah hashtag cancer sucks that's right right so if you didn't have a chance to bid on the auction uh i don't think we're gonna have any more for walk for hope at this point uh we might i don't know we might just have a spontaneous one i might do like another print or something i don't know the point is, if you guys want to help us out, and we had a very ambitious goal of trying to reach $1,000 for this one, I want to say that we are maybe about a third of the way there at this point with this auction and some of the other stuff that we've auctioned off, including the popcorn buckets and the prints, uh, plus some donations that people have left for us. But if you guys want to donate, a dollar helps. You might not think so, but think about it. If 500 of you donated $1, that's 500 bucks. That's over half of our goal. So mm -hmm. I challenge you guys to just donate $1. That's all it takes. It's not even a cup of coffee. It's not going to hurt you financially. But guess what? If a bunch of you do it, it's going to help out a ton. So if you want to make a donation, head on over to TeamBoatWilly.com. It's super simple to remember because it's like Steamboat Willie, toot, toot, but without the S. <laughs> so TeamBoatWilly.com, you'll find the links to donate to the team there. Or you can donate to me. <laughs> or Gavin or Melissa <laughs> or me <laughs> it's up to you but really uh, shameless plug even a dollar helps so if you're considering it make this your good deed for the day I think it's worth it it so is and it's gonna be benefiting like you said we're gonna fight cancer this is awesome and we're gonna uh win <laughs> yes I know we did uh, we did chalk walk but I'm so so more pumped to walk this walk i really am so this right here for us to raise all this money this is amazing yeah i'm excited for this walk too uh mostly because it's you know i'm still exploring uh this part of california as a new resident and i'll get to go to a new part of town that i've never been to and mm -hmm. and walk around and uh see some new sites so yeah i think it's exciting i might get to glimpse the one and only bob chapek while i'm there who knows Ooh, i'll introduce Ooh. you we're good buddies uh, now I, I hear the, the main mouse himself might be hanging around, so 
It's oh, going to be I cool. Can, I can vouch for that one in their tracksuits along with uh, his main cheese. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> oh, Hashtag <awesome>. dad joke. <laughs> and it'll be, what, just two weeks before their 90th anniversary. It will be. And I'm yeah. super that's excited awesome. about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, well, if you guys want more information, again, head on over to TeamBoatWilly.com. The information for Walk for Hope, which is who we're trying to raise money for in support of fighting women's cancers. Uh, it's all going to be there. Again, if you want to donate to me, Hazen, you'll find my link there. You can donate to the team or Gavin or Melissa. It's all there. You can take your pick. <laughs> click on the graphic. You get a receipt. It's all tax deductible, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get a little, a little, a little kick at the end by the by those Earth people, because you know they like to take your money. But this, I'm just saying, it's a Erse great people. way to to skew that in your favor. Oh man! Uh, hey, Gavin, sir, tell me a little bit about the nightmare show that you went to this last week. Yes. Weekend. Oh my yes. gosh, you guys! Oh my gosh. Okay, so the Hollywood Bowl. Saturday night. It was insane. So the first thing is, like, I had no idea what the logistics were going to look like of getting to the Hollywood Bowl, finding a good park, like all of that. So long story short on the part that nobody cares about, we walked in, (laughs) found our seats and sat down maybe two minutes before the whole thing started. So we got there just in the nick of time. Wow. Um we had really good seats. Um, you know, it was uh, one of the upper sections, but it was pretty much dead center. And so we could see the whole place. We could kind of feel the whole vibe of the arena. And it was spectacular. You know, it's it's been on my bucket list for a long time to see a show at the Hollywood Bowl, um, mostly because it's a famous venue. The Beatles played there. And, you know, I've just always wanted to see a show there. And so to see something like this that's celebrating one of my all-time favorite things, The Nightmare Before Christmas, oh my gosh, it was spectacular. So, uh, you know, this show has happened before. This isn't a brand new thing. But for the 25th anniversary, uh, they did kind of kick it up a notch. And there were a couple extra surprises, which weren't typical of the show previously. And that was awesome. So the biggest, like, presentation-wise thing that they added this year was digital projections on the proscenium. And it was incredible. Like, fully detailed, fully animated projections. And... They were in sync with the film and with the songs. So there was unique animation based on what was going on in the story. There was laser effects, uh, other lighting effects. The, the interior of the clamshell was lit with all kinds of spotlight and strobe effects that kind of played up the animation that you're seeing on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then they obviously had like a lot of spotlight effects as well. So all of that kind of ramped everything up a notch um if it wasn't exciting enough already uh so obviously danny elfman was there and he was in rare form he was just perfection (laughs) i I was i was really impressed that he was able to 
deliver all of those Jack vocalizations, you know, 25 years later, you know, he's not a young man anymore. And so, you know, to sing like that uh, is very impressive. Uh, of course, then they, they bring out um, Catherine O'Hara and Paul Rubens. Nice. And yeah, and we get the kidnap Sandy Claus song and they were fan freaking tastic as <laughs> those three together. And then the famous Ken Page comes out and quite literally brings the house down with Oogie Boogie's song. I mean, he just, he came with all the blues and soul and jazzy swagger that you would expect. And oh my gosh, it was amazing. He was so good. Uh, you know, so the performances were just spectacular. I I had high hopes for this, and it exceeded all of them. I mean, the orchestra was incredible. These singers were great. You know, they had the other um, Towns characters there, um, the five of them, or four of them. No, five of them. There's the three men and the two women who were singing, like, all of the Towns folk parts, including the mayor and, and all those. And they were fantastic. So, I mean, it was like the film, like, came to life in a lot of ways. Like... It was, I didn't know how I, how it would be, how it would come off because I've never been to one of these before, but I felt just like I'm watching one of my favorite movies and it's coming to life in a more real way than it ever has before, just watching them do these performances. So uh, we had a blast. It was absolutely incredible. They had a couple other surprises along the way. Um, right before intermission, they announced that the orchestra that plays at the Hollywood Bowl had just finished recording a new Danny Elfman album, which is super exciting. Danny Elfman just completed his first violin concerto and they announced it at the bowl. I don't know if they announced it on Friday night. I'm sure they did, but they also announced it on Saturday night when we were there. And the violinist who plays the concerto was there and she came out and played this insane nightmare before Christmas melody on the violin. Like it's the most, it was the most extreme, like contemporary, like edge pushing violin playing I've ever seen in my life. Like she was tearing it up. Uh, so that was cool. And, uh, and then the next, oh, I forgot the very first surprise. <laughs> so, man, I, I'm just so excited. There's just so many this. surprises. I was, yeah. So before they kicked off with Nightmare Before Christmas, they started with a silly symphony. What? The skeleton dance. <laughs> no. The skeleton dance. Yes. Dude, it that's was so cool. So freaking cool the xylophone player was going nuts it was so great man i couldn't believe it so we got to see the skeleton dance first and that just set the stage because everybody was amped up after that uh so then at, at intermission they did the violinist at the end uh where traditionally danny elfman comes out and does uh dead man's party from oingo boingo mm -hmm. he did do that um, and, um, I forget his name, but the bass player from no doubt was there to play bass on it, which was ah. kind of cool. Nice. Um, Tony, Dan, Tony Cannell. Tony. Yeah. Tony Cannell. Yeah. Tony Cannell. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Tony Cannell was there playing bass. And, uh, 
Before that, though, Danny did his own rendition of Oogie Boogie's song. Nice. And he did it in the style of Cab Calloway, who was the inspiration for that song. And I don't know if you guys know who Cab Calloway is. His most famous song is Heidi, 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 Hi. You know that song? Oh. Yeah. And so he has this real kind of like he slinks around the stage and kind of hams it up, you know. And Danny Elfman went into full Cab Calloway impersonation mode and he did his Whoa. version of Oogie. And it was unbelievable. It was so good. I couldn't even believe it. That was uh, one of the surprises. And then the very last surprise of all, after it was all said and done, um, Danny was out there and he was, you know, thanking the crowd and thanking, you know, the fandom for just an unbelievable 25 years. Because who would have thought that the cult following of Nightmare Before Christmas would be what it is today, you know, all those years ago. And he was just very thankful. It was really cool. And he said, well, I've got one more surprise for you guys. And he goes off stage and he pulls out Tim Burton. Oh. And Tim Burton comes wow. out on stage. Oh, my God. And he, he, saw, he sang Oogie Boogie song. No, I wish. <laughs> I wish. No, in, in true Tim Burton fashion, proceeds to give the most incoherent compliments to <laughs> Danny and co and drops the F-bomb and everybody was just so tickled to see Tim Burton out there and it was hilarious. You could tell he was uncomfortable being on stage, but uh, it was awesome. It was the cherry on top that everybody just adored. So yeah, the whole evening was absolutely incredible. We were so impressed uh, from top to bottom. And I was impressed by the Hollywood Bowl and just how cool everything was there and, and how the sound just, you know, resonated through that amphitheater. Man, I, it was awesome. Man, I can't wait to watch this vlog, Gavin. Right? <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot of video. We The problem is we got there so late, like right when it started, and, you know, things were just popping um, I got a little bit of uh, uh, content, but not a whole lot. But, I mean, if if anybody out there has thought about going to one of these shows and, and decided not to, um, rethink that. Like, definitely, definitely go to one of these shows. Mm-hmm. They're totally worth it. Yeah, you know, and by the way, I'm kidding about the whole vlog thing. I mean, I <laughs> this is one of those experiences where, you know, you don't want to miss what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's different when we go to Disneyland right. and we're we're there so much that we get to see everything. It's different when we're at an expo or we're going somewhere where we can walk around and we don't necessarily have to concentrate. But for most people, something like this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? right. And yeah. even if the show is replicated, like it has been for many years prior, the experiences that you have with particular people in particular moments – are the ones that can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. You know, this always reminds me of what happened to my brother when he left early and he didn't get a chance, you know, to see <laughs> the special guest appearances. But I mean, it looks like you stayed for the whole thing and and got the entire experience, right? You stayed yeah. till the end credits and you saw the teaser at the end. <laughs> yes, that's correct. And you know, when we sat down, I told our party cuz I was there with Charlie and then also our friends from Hilt Radio. Liam and Brittany and their little son Remy and I told everybody I said okay 
even if it seems like it's done, we have to wait until the orchestra leaves, everything, because there's always going to be one more thing at the end. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it seemed like it was done. But I looked down there and I said, no, guys, the orchestra is still in their seats. They're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And that's when Danny Elfman came back and started singing again. And then, you know, and all those other surprises. So, yeah. Thank you, Mario, for teaching us all a fabulous lesson. (laughs) And thank you, MCU, for conditioning us to stay until the end. Right. Yes. All of the above. (laughs) Oh, man. So true. I need to ask, explain your experience watching Danny Elfman being Jack. It's so cool because you can see the artist who created the music, you know, and his interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see how the animators took that, you know, and put it into Jack, you know, because a lot of Jack's movements are Danny's movements. Right. And you can kind of see that. And it's easy to think, oh, he's acting like Jack right now. But we all know how animation works. You know, they look at the actors who Mm -hmm. are acting those roles, and they, you know, they take facial... um, Uh, expressions from them they take movements and gestures and you could tell that they animated jack with a lot of danny's mannerisms and it was just so cool and he just he also just seemed to really really being enjoying himself and that always makes any sort of musical performance better you know if they're just up there going through the motions it doesn't matter how talented they are it just you know it, it comes out flat but he really seemed to be enjoying himself and so did all of them. I mean, Catherine O'Hara came out and just, it was like she embodied the character of Sally again. It, she was into it, fully into it. Paul Rubens was just having a blast. And Ken Page, I mean, come on. That guy's just <laughs> money. <laughs> he was just so cool. So, yeah, it was like seeing Danny, of course, for me was, was the highlight because he's, He's as much of a reason for the success of Nightmare as anybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tim Burton fully recognizes that. And, you know, their long partnership throughout their careers, um, you know, is evident of that respect, that mutual respect. And it was just uh, so, so surreal. And, yeah, like you said, it was a once in a lifetime kind of chance and something I'll never forget. That I'm so happy for cool, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, I was kind of holding my breath a little bit because you know how I was, the, I was the alternate in case Charlie couldn't make it. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I was right. just holding my breath, man, and it would have just made my weekend. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And Sorry, I'm man. I'm glad you got a chance to go, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it was cool. And, and I was also interested to see that, you know, Remy, who was with us, who is three years old was just totally into it like just focused on the whole thing and wrapped up in it and enjoying it and clapping and and it's cool that something like this can be so entertaining to such a broad you know spectrum of people and age ranges and you know it just it made me happy uh seeing that and as if I wasn't happy already. It was just, it was magical the whole night. <laughs> like I said, it, it's one of those things that for many people is a, a once in a lifetime thing, you know, but I think you'll get very similar experiences and your own version of these special experiences if you ever get a chance to go to one of these. So 
this is like four thumbs up from you, right, Gavin? Out of two thumbs? Um, yeah, I'd give it five thumbs if I had five. <laughs> nice, nice. You know how we talked about if they do Aladdin next, it just mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. You know, they've done Beauty and the Beast. They've done Little Mermaid. You know, we've gotten Nightmare all this time. If they did Aladdin, man, oh, I just won't be there. I just want to see a whole new world projected. <laughs> All over the Hollywood Bowl, like just that that song and flying around on the carpet, just ah, I'm there. I know. I want to do or, it. Or or maybe they should put Aladdin on hold for a bit and capitalize on the fact that Elton John is in his retirement phase right now and get him to come out and do Lion King. Oh, oh, the feels. <laughs> that yeah. would be incredible. Of course, in in that case, tickets would probably start at like three hundred dollars. But and they would sell out in four minutes. Oh yes. Right. <laughs> but it would be cool. It would be cool. Well, you know what? Let's throw the question out there. If all of you listening could have an opportunity to say, you know what, Disney, this is the show that you should do next, which show would you choose? Would it be Lion King? Would it be Aladdin? Would it be a whole other movie altogether? Do you think that there's a newer film that could take that spot that has such iconic music that would just fit the bill? Leave us a comment, you know, join the conversation on the Instagram or Facebook post or on the blog post for this episode over at podcasters.com slash 228. We'd love to hear what you guys would like Disney and the Hollywood Bowl to do next. And who knows? I mean, maybe Bobby's listening and he's like, you know what? Uh, I, I love I love this idea. Maybe let's just go with it. That is that is my absolute best slash worst Bobby impression. <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. But what do you mean if Bobby's listening? We know we know he listens. That's true. We do. Let me send him a text message. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we know that's not true. But the evidence is there that he clearly listens. That's true. That part is true. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, you know what? Since we're talking about musical performances, let's hop over to uh, another attraction, and that is D Capella. Mm-hmm. Yes. D Capella is an awesome acapella group that was put together by one of the judges or one of the trainers from one of the singing shows, right? Um, I don't, I can't remember what he's from, but yeah, it, it's basically one of these, you know, they went out and searched for these vocalists and they, they found acapella award winners and, you know, people who'd been doing this sort of thing and they kind of found the right mix of people so it is kind of one of those strangely like manufactured groups. You know, it, they didn't have an organic, you know, origin, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, I think the result speaks for itself. I think they sound amazing. You know, I they've agree. got a few videos out already. I love their Disney medley that they've got out. It's really and, good. Yeah. Their album uh, drops in just a couple of weeks, actually. It comes out November 16th. So it's not that far away before we'll be able to hear their whole track listing, which will probably, I guess, be the set list for their concert tour. That's where he's from. Deke Sharon. He's the guy that put it together. He's the guy that did Pitch Perfect. That's what it is. Yes. That's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. So And one of the girls in the group was in all three Pitch Perfects. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I'm super excited. I love acapella music. I love that's why I love the Dapper Dan so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to sing, even though I sound like absolute garbage when I do it. But I still love not. it. I love acapella. <laughs> I love barbershop quartets. 
and I love the arrangements. I love the the tonality of it and just how you can mm-hmm. use your voice and create all of these different sounds and melodies. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. I wish I could do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, guys. Let's start an acapella group. Okay. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Terrible. <laughs> it, it, I know it's a terrible idea, but <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I love the fact that Decapella is out there and that they're doing a lot of Disney stuff. They have a tour that's coming up. It's starting in January of 2019. Mm-hmm. And here in Southern California, they're going to be in a couple of cities, uh, Thousand Oaks of all places. Uh, they're also going to be at in Riverside at the Fox Performing Arts Center, which I think is a little bit more well-known than, than Thousand Oaks. I mean, maybe I just don't know about the theater that they're going to. It's it the might Fred be Cobley because theater. they're, you know, they're not a big name yet. So they might not be able to get, you know, some of the bigger, more centralized venues, you know. Maybe, so. maybe. Well, if you ever wanted the opportunity to see one of those groups that you know is just going to blow up in the next year, like this is one of them. And if yeah. you get an opportunity, mm-hmm. check out some of the videos. If you haven't, I'll post a couple in the blog post. Again, podcasters.com slash 228. I like them a lot. We'll post that medley that Gavin was talking about, the Disney one, because it's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. They're super talented, and I'm excited to see what's going to be coming. I don't know if they're performing at Mickey's or if they performed at Mickey's anniversary thing. I oh, thought they I don't were going to perform mm-hmm. for Maybe. that, and I don't remember hearing anything on whether or not they ended up doing it. But uh, also in the blog post, I'll post a link to the schedule of tour dates. That way you can see if they're coming to a city near you. And if you get an opportunity to go and check them out, send us an email with a quick report. We'd love to hear from you so we can play it in an upcoming episode. All right, so let's take it back to the park, shall we? Sure. Yes. Now this next thing is still a rumor. We haven't been able to confirm it. I just want to make that clear. You know, it is a rumor. But if it turns out to be true, Mickey Mouse is coming to the Disneyland Resort. But you might be telling yourself, he's already there, Hazen. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, it looks like Mickey Mouse is finally getting an attraction in his home park. Now this is exciting. (laughs) 100% on board for this one. They announced this attraction at the last D23 Expo. It was so exciting. Like, the crowd was so amped up for this announcement. And the Imagineers talked about this technology that they're using to pull this off. And I forget exactly what they called it, but it was like two-dimensional 3D or something like that. So it's like this method that they're using to create, like... Because it's it's based on the world of the new Mickey shorts, you know, which are all 2D and flat. So they're taking that, but they're giving it depth and they're creating, you know, flat things, but with kind of like you're walking into an animated diorama almost. And just the idea of this sounds so intriguing to me. It's going to look different than any other attraction before it. And that excites me. New attraction technology and new you know, imagineering tricks for us to marvel at is mm-hmm. what I what always gets me most excited about Disney parks. And, you know, it was exciting that it was coming to, Dis- to Disney World because, you know, I, I will eventually make it over there again. But now knowing that it's coming to California, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you mean to say, oh boy. 
Yes. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> you do it better than I do. So uh, it's, man, it's exciting. And the fact that it's going into Toontown, uh, in addition to the other two attractions that are there, will give that area some new life, which I think it's yeah. needed for a while. Yes. You know, it, it's kind of been a neglected corner of the park. You know, I feel like there are some areas that need to be repainted. And, you know, I think this will give it, you know, a little more spark so that man it's it's so exciting yeah i mean i know that i don't know how many episodes ago we were talking about how the reconstruction of disneyland would happen and what we thought would be next to go and what would stay and i said you know what maybe toontown is the next to go i think this attraction coming into toontown and and remember this is just a rumor this hasn't been solidified by disney this is just a rumor that's floating around but if Mickey and Minnie's run, uh, Runaway Railway does, in fact, take the spot of, I think it's the Gag Factory that they're talking about it mm-hmm. taking the spot of. That's right? going to be the queue, yeah. Yeah, the, Gag Factory the theory shop. Is. If it does, in fact, take that show building and that becomes a queue, then you're right. It does breathe whole new life into Toontown and oh, yeah. it solidifies it as a key portion of the park. You know, a lot of parents see Toontown as kind of a let me sit down, let me let my kids run around while I kind of relax for, mm-hmm. you know, a while. But this will bring, I think, troves of people to see the new Mickey attraction. The technology that you're talking about is two and a half D. That's you know, what it is. It's two, two and, and a half D, D because it's essentially three <laughs> D without the glasses because they simulate depth using two D environments. And just mm-hmm. like you said, it's like a panorama. You know, I thought it was a little strange that Walt Disney World was getting it. Not that I was hating or anything. I just thought it was a little strange that Mickey wasn't getting an attraction in his home park. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. going to be changing if this rumor t- turns out to be true. Uh, I, for one, am really looking forward to this i welcome it toontown needs life bring it it's all good i have two points to add here so last week we were talking with jason and you were making a prediction about you know you were saying that star wars land is the first mickey ear and you were making a prediction about the second mickey ear on the world's biggest hidden mickey which is disneyland park right and i proposed that toontown was that other ear and you said it's not big enough well ha now it's gonna be big enough buddy you know what you are correct (laughs) i think because of the fact that they're going to be extending out into the buildings uh, that are backstage in order to make this attraction happen i think you're right (laughs) (laughs) yes score one for gavin i think you're right uh second thing is like did you read the entirety of the article that we passed around uh you know what i remember skimming through it a couple of times okay but... it made an interesting additional point and that is the building that it's going to be overtaking which is the i think it's the entertainment department's building mm-hmm. it actually on the top of that building is the the launching structure for the fireworks shows so oh. the the idea is they may need to, you know, rework all of that. But it actually made mention of the fact that there are plans for them to do more projection only shows at night and mm-hmm. only include pyrotechnics on the weekends. So oh, as the te- as the technology grows and these projection shows become the focal point, 
it sounds like they're going to do less and less pyrotechnics, which I think is kind of exciting uh, because that means less closures of certain parts of the park nightly, which is awesome. You know, I mean, how many times have you really wanted to go on Peter Pan and Fantasyland's closed because they're doing fireworks? Yeah. Every night? Right. So now it's that won't be the case uh, if that's true. So that's kind of an interesting thing that'll change the dynamic of the park at night. I thought fireworks were going to kind of cease after Galaxy's Edge. So either way would have happened, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what their plans were moving forward. I, I don't. I think the only reason that they closed, they always closed Toontown so early and then Fantasyland would temporarily, well, for Toontown, it's the proximity to the launching point, right? For Fantasyland, it's, I think it's more of a show issue where they don't want Fantasyland open so they can dim the lights and so they don't, you don't see traffic through the castle, you know, so it doesn't affect the actual show. So, you know, having them change the launching point or, I mean, imagine if they just started doing fireworks at DCA instead. I mean, who knows what they're planning on doing. That would be interesting because I think they would still run into the same problem because shooting over the convention center would be a big problem as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the uh, obstacles are, so to speak, for doing pyrotechnics at the park. I know that there are probably many. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that they would consider doing projection-only shows. I think that will be quite interesting. Well, I mean, it's not unheard of, right? Like, we talked about this a year ago when at Walt Disney World, uh, Disney had to work with IBM to create the small drones that they use for Starbright Holidays. The entire Starbright Holiday show was a bunch of aerial drones that were projecting different lights and creating different shapes in the air. So if they really did away with the pyrotechnics, they do have this drone technology that has now been tested at Walt Disney World that in a lot of ways is safer, right? It It's not as evasive when it comes to sound. It's better on the environment when it comes to air quality. And it doesn't pose a threat of something accidentally lighting on fire, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which thankfully there hasn't really been a lot of that because Disney does put a lot of care into how and where they shoot. This is exactly why if it's too windy, they just postpone the fireworks or they cancel them altogether because there is more of an error factor when something like that is happening. If they did away with it, I think they, they'd be okay You know, they have these drones, they have the projections that they do on the castle, on the Matterhorn. Those projectors are super strong. You know, imagine if the drones, they found a way to put up a scrim that somehow projects everything into the sky. Scrims are super light, Mm -hmm. right? But if you could have a bunch of drones just holding up a scrim or I don't know, or themselves shooting lasers at each other that create a digital blanket that you can project onto like how super cool would that be that would be talking about the future hazen this is the future gavin sci-fi man this is the future i mean i agree i think the we're seeing how they're finding new and better ways to utilize projection technology you know with uh, the surface mapping that they can do and you know 
they can create so many neat effects um, and optical illusions with them that you know the the sky is the limit really and yeah. if if they're going to start to utilize drone technology uh, in addition to what they already have who needs fireworks yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. really they could make something i look world of color is a spectacular show and it's basically all projections you know they've got some other you know some flame throwing things but other than that, it's basically lasers and projections, you know? I mean, you got to yeah. have fire. You got to. Apparently. Everything's got to have, gotta some have kind fire. Of fire. Phantasmic right. has fire. So That's yeah, what I'm saying. You got to have some kind of fire. <laughs> just less fire, which is better. Right. I, I just love whenever Disney introduces new technologies in all avenues, right? Not just in the parks, but, I mean, there's, you know, when we talked about what we wanted to possibly talk about in this episode... There was so many technology-based articles and so many techno- like technological topics that we wanted to hit on. This technically leads right into one of the other things that we wanted to talk about, and that's uh, the Cycles animation short, mm-hmm. right? So the cycle Cycles um, is uh, it's just one of those marvels of animation that doesn't come along very often. Uh, it was released at SIGGRAPH this year, 2018, in Vancouver back in August. And it's a story that was written by director uh, Jeff Gibson uh, about... It was kind of inspired by his family and the house that his grandmother lived in. And uh, when he when he was growing up, he used to be like a BMX biker. And he used to go into these vacant pools and you know ride his bike around. And he would always think to himself what happened in this house? What is the story behind this house? And when he was going to school, he went to school, uh, he was an architect for a while, right? And so he learned the basics of when putting together a building, that building can also tell a story. The story of Cycles is a, a story that takes place over 50 years. And it tells the story of this family starting in, like I think, the mid-50s, I think, is when the story starts off. And it's all done in virtual reality, which is something that we haven't really seen before. Like, we've seen Pixar and Disney kind of dabble, you know, with with uh, Baymax Dreams. And we've seen them use CG in tons of movies, ranging all the way back to, you know, the Disney Renaissance when we were talking like Beauty and the Beast and all these other films that were back from that time. But, I mean, th- this is a whole new level of awesome. It's taking a lot of that 3D technology that, we, that we're used to seeing with Pixar and that CG and just putting you into this world, right? And mm-hmm. one of the hardest techniques and one of the hardest things to do when you're trying to tell a story, whether it's, uh, whether it's an animated feature or a film or, heck, even if it's a vlog that we're trying to put together for the YouTube channel, one of the hardest things to do is to tell a story by having the people watching what you are creating follow you and your story and try to keep it interesting, right? And so Mm -hmm. when you have a camera set up for a film, the director's basically telling you, this is where you have to look. This is the frame. This is where I'm going to put the action. Animation is the same way. You're essentially directing a film and telling the viewer, this is where you have to look. But VR is a whole different space because once you put on that VR helmet or the goggles or whatever you're using, you can look anywhere in that world. And all of a sudden you run into a situation where 
the the audience or whoever's watching your film can travel through this world like they do with the void right and Mm -hmm. you don't you can't necessarily lead them unless you have a story behind what you are doing like the void does but this is different you know this i i i haven't been able to see it because it's not one of those things that you could just kind of upload to a youtube channel or you know purchase you literally need the full vr experience to engulf yourself in this film and really feel what it's about because it's not it's not a story about characters it's a story about the house you know and what happens inside of it and i thought that was one of the most interesting things that we are now walking into these worlds it's it's the virtual equivalent of walking in a car's land right it's it's all very fascinating to me and i i guess i'm at the point where i don't see how this is going to be commercialized i guess you know how can the consumer enjoy this thing that they've created you know i i feel like it's it's such a limited thing right now that I guess it's too far out on the edge, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's there's no real venue for it. You know, I, I don't know how that works. And, and maybe I'm just slow to, you know, adopt all these technologies. But, uh, you know, we've only seen the little clip. Right. And we can see the, the dancers on a stool. Yeah. As the person f- you know, experiencing it kind of walks around the stool. And so you get to see it from different angles. And I, I guess I just don't get it. I, it's one of those things that I feel like it's a perfect example of you had to be there. Like you have yeah. to put on the VR apparatus, whatever it is, and actually experience it the way they want you to experience it. Even though you have freedom of movement, you have to ha- be in the scenario where you have the equipment. And without that, Uh, it's kind of lost on the rest of the world. So I guess I'm a little mystified about how this will gain traction. Like what are your thoughts on, on how this will influence things or if it will actually influence things? Um, From the little clip that we had seen of them dancing on that stool, I wanted to see more and maybe it's because I'm not too familiar with so much of the animation that goes into it, but it looks so fascinating to see like what the future holds you know a different type of experience actually i wish i could see more of it i really do yeah i wish i could see more of it too um because i I totally understand what you're saying gavin it doesn't have any particular venue like the void that can take uh, a massive audience right the void is four people at a time but when you're thinking about how you you have a movie theater that can seat anywhere from 100 to 200 people at a time you could put on some 3d glasses and you can all watch this 3d movie this is not like that at all i I think when you were at siggraph it was limited to one or two goggles at a time like there wasn't very many available uh, for people to experience this so as far as practical application Uh, I think until the day comes that the VR helmets themselves that have enough power 
to show you this type of animation or really engulf you into this world gets smaller, lighter, and more practical to use, uh, this is going to be a niche thing, at least for some time. So you're going to have more things like the void popping up or movie theaters where like the helmet, you know, like those... Um, I don't know if this is still a thing, but every time I've seen films, you remember how in the 50s they had uh, like the hair dryers that would come down on your head at the beauty yep. salons? Mm -hmm. um, I imagine something like that at a movie theater, right? Where like the helmet is hanging from the back of the chair and you just oh. kind of like sink it into like your face and then you're immersed in this world. Kind of how hmm. like the virtual roller coaster works at Six Flags right now. So... Uh, until it becomes more practical, that's kind of how I see it being used. More importantly, though, I was, man, I wish I remember how long ago it was. It was maybe about a week or two ago. Uh, I was reading an article about how Disney had teamed up with Lucas and um, uh, Niagara Water and a couple of other companies to create something called the Starlight Experience. The, the reason I, w I was researching it was because remember how we were talking about how Disney was thinking about, well, not thinking about, Disney had recently chosen Chalk to be like the next hospital that they were going to fund with like Disney type technology to really mm -hmm. help the, the patients and the families that were waiting inside of the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, the This project, the Starlight Experience, is very similar to that. It's a VR experience that Google Street View, Lucasfilm, Disney, and a couple of other companies put together. Oh, Lenovo was the other was the other company, where they're installing these VR headsets for patients. Um, I think it was just one hospital. It was Children's Hospital Stanford, I think, hmm. where they were installing the first set of it. Uh, and they're starting off with like these different experiences where once you don them, they're using Google Street View to like tour Walt Disney World or different locations around the world. Very similar to what we talked about when this technology was first starting to really uh, let itself loose in the world. Right. Yeah. So when I read that article, I was super excited because I thought, man, this is great because people that are bedridden and can't go explore the world the doors just opened up for them, right? Yeah. And this was all part of something called the Chariot Project, which was um, childhood anxiety reduction reduction through innovation and technology or something like that. I, I, I'm almost positive that's what the acronym stands for. I mean, five years ago, when they installed Turtle Talk with Crush at Chalk, that was huge, right? Because that allowed you to speak to a cartoon. And I mean, most of us know how that works. But at the time, it was like this crazy innovation that nobody knew. Like there was all this like lip syncing that was happening. It's like, oh, my God, he's answering my questions. Right. <laughs> but imagine for for a child to put on a helmet and then to all of a sudden be in the ocean with Nemo and Dory or a crush oh. and for them to to just go riding in the waves with them and to just experience everything firsthand. Right. It gives a whole new meaning. What if you had the opportunity to walk around Halloween town? Oh, you know, wow. these are all experiences that I think we could have as this technology grows. So when cycles was put out there and they were able to tell a story, it's one thing to be able to walk through through something that was pre-built. 
right? Mm-hmm. This is the void. This is that Ghostbusters experience. That's, that's. I mean, it's something that's pre-made. But if something like this is built where you can actually feel something, and I don't mean physically, like I mean emotionally, and it's just like watching Up, but you are controlling where you are watching the whole time. You're not being led to look in one direction. That is mm-hmm. powerful stuff, man. That is yeah. amazing and powerful stuff. I like that technology. I like what it can do for people that can't get out of bed. I like what it can do for people that can't experience the world the way that we can. That's a good thought. I I, I feel like there are many potential avenues for this technology. I just feel like they're, it's ahead of the world right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of exciting that, you know, it's all full of possibilities right now but i'm interested and excited to see how this kind of thing is implemented you know like all of the ideas you're talking about and you know especially you know these these children hospitals that are getting this kind of technology uh you know that's it's all very exciting and yeah like kind of echoing what melissa said I really just want to see this thing in its entirety. You know, it's like they gave us the ultimate tease because it's not like coming to a theater <laughs> near you. It's like, uh, well, we wish you could see it all, but you had to be here, you know? Yeah. So it is, it is a tease and I do wish I could experience more of it. And it really kind of made me remember that, dang it, I got to go do the void. <laughs> oh yeah. Me too. Right. Me too. Before it switches out. I know. So here, let's let's try something, okay? Um, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna send this message out to Imagineering. So, psst, Imagineering, okay. come over here for a second. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 come here. It's fine. It's fine. Just... Okay. So you guys have this entire building in Tomorrowland. You guys call it Interventions. On the bottom, you have this launch bay thing that may or may not be there for very long. But guess what? There's this entire second floor that you that you have a lot of space that you can do stuff with. Why not bring cycles there so that more of us can experience it? Because I know that this is going to be touring around at, at different, uh, like, SIGGRAPH, and it's going to go to New York soon. But bring us something to Disneyland. We're your core audience. So... You know, I don't want to take you away from your work. I'm just, you know, I just, I just wanted to bring that out there. This is just between me and you. Nobody else is listening. Okay, this is just a conversation between me and all you Imagineers. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. So, I don't know. I, I just get back to what you're doing. I'm sorry. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. So, back to the conversation, guys. Oh, oh, hey, where, where'd you go there, Hazen? Sorry, I, I just, I was just having a small conversation with some friends oh. of mine. Oh, okay. I just, you know, I was just, I was just trying to get, you know, something done. I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but I figured I'd give it a shot. So I'm sorry, I had oh, cool. to leave for a moment. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. So yeah, uh, I totally get it. I mean, if I could experience it, if I had the opportunity to fly out to New York tomorrow, you know, to go see this in action, I'd do it. You know, I would uh, love to see it. No, you won't get on a plane, Hazen. You're not fooling anybody. That's true. <laughs> if I could ride a train. <laughs> there you go. Bullet if I train. can jump on the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> <laughs> Does the Disneyland Railroad go that far? <laughs> no, sorry, buddy. Ah, it just goes to the Grand Canyon. Hmm. Yeah. And apparently back in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, since we're talking about 
technology, uh, I guess that's a really good way to kind of segue into this other topic. And that's that Ed Catmull, you know, one of the founding members of Pixar, uh, has decided that he is stepping down from his post and he's going to be retiring at the end of this year. Not completely. He's going to stay on um, it just kind of to mentor people. He's going to be there to guide the next generation of animators at Pixar and at uh, Walt Disney Animation. So he's going to he's going to be there until about June or July of 2019. Uh, I think this hit people in a lot of different ways. Uh, what were your thoughts when you guys heard that Ed Catmull was stepping down? I actually had to do a little bit of research to see um to learn a little bit about him and i didn't realize how long of his how long the um his career has been spanning like 50 years that's amazing i mean if anything and just reading his resume of what he's done it's just just wow so i just wish they you know the send his send off to retirement. I mean, I hope he has the most wonderful send off for everything he's done from Lucasfilm to Pixar. Kudos. Yeah, Ed Catmull is definitely a pioneer in his field and uh, a legend in the truest sense. I mean, the things that he's accomplished and you know the the fundamental innovations that he had a direct hand in uh you know what him and his partners did you know with with the graphics group at lucas arts and then going into pixar quite literally changed the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and their influence on computer graphics and that whole world has i mean it has its fingerprints in every movie since the 80s really you know i mean it's you don't see movies without cg now you don't see some computer animation taking place in a movie you just don't and he is a big reason for that and he had the vision to foresee computer graphics technology uh you know evolving into the field of animation and movie making and uh, I mean, I, as a lover of animation, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude because he made a lot of this world possible. And it's it's so cool. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, and it's interesting to note that I believe he's the last kind of original Pixar member uh, to be there. So, you know, it's yeah. like a full changing of the guard now. You know, and, you know, especially with some of the, the people that came shortly after he arrived, you know, people like John Lasseter not being there anymore. And obviously, you know, with the passing of Steve Jobs, you know, it's completely all in newer hands now. So it'll be interesting to see where Pixar continues to innovate and push their technology because that's been their hallmark, you know, along with fantastic storytelling, obviously, and great animation, but it's been their innovation that has, you know, made them so successful. And it'll be interesting to see if that continues. You know, when I was going to school, I had this dream of working at Pixar. 
And I thought that just the artistic drive behind a lot of the things that I was doing was going to be enough. And I felt that if I really pushed myself, that I would, I could really just work there one day. And who knows, that could have been possible, right? But one thing people may not know about about the the people that work at Pixar is that these are intelligent human beings like they are engineers and there are people with doctorates and they are physicists and scientists and there is so much that goes into creating a Pixar film it's not just the the visual uh, the colors and the animation this it's it's a bunch of scientists running around Pixar and I think that's one of the reasons why they've been able to innovate because from its core Ed Catmull was a a developer you know he was Mm -hmm. a scientist he was a creator and you know it was his background in computer science and his coding skills that like you said Gavin really put animation and just cg on the map the way that it is today because back when pixar first started uh or back when it was still even lucasfilm they were developing all these uh different graphics that they could use for commercials and small Mm -hmm. films and everything ed catmull is the person behind render man render man is essentially the engine that creates the visuals for pixar films but uh years ago Render Man was available for anyone. In an unprecedented move, Pixar just said, you know what? If you have a 3D animation program and you are a student or you just want to know how it works, we're going to make Render Man for free. You, it's it's available for you to download and install. And for a while, even I used Render Man to render some of my computer animations. It was overkill because my stuff was <laughs> nothing like Pixar stuff. But even I used Render Man for some time. When you think about uh, what Ed Catmull created and then the innovation that's gone into it where, you know, you look at the the shading and the lighting that went into something like Toy Story. And now you go all the way and you think of what Coco looked like. They are leaps and bounds between each other. You know, yeah. even from Toy Story 1 to 2. There's so much innovation just in the way that it's animated, the way that it's lit, the way that it's colored, and how elements in the world react to each other. That's all physics. That's all science. Mm-hmm. And I, I think now, because a lot of the technology that's built, maybe Pixar will begin to dip their toes into like cycles, for instance, maybe that's the next genre of movie styles. And like you said, maybe we're years away from that, you know, just kind of to touch back on that subject. Maybe we're years away from it because it's not practical. You know, they don't have venues. They don't have a lot of these things. But if you were to trust any company to figure out a way to make that mainstream, don't you think it would be Pixar? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows? I, I could see them totally going down that avenue and you know that like i said they're known most for their innovation i feel like they employ innovators you know yeah. they look for people like catmull who are programmers and code writers who can further their technology so that they can use them for any storytelling vehicle they want to use and yeah that's a great example like they could absolutely go into these vr experiences and rock that world yeah and look i know that i'm pushing vr hard 
right? I, I know that <laughs> <Indeed>. I am. <laughs> but, oh, my God, I love the technology so much. I cannot begin to tell you it how much cool. I think about all this cool new technology. Like, at heart, I'm just a tech nerd, you know? And when I see stuff like this, it excites me so much. And the the fact that at, at one point, a lot of this technology was just not reachable you know to to people without the money or without the space and think about the the first ibm computer which took up an entire floor in a building almost and you think <laughs> about what your phone can do now yeah mm-hmm. you know it technology is amazing and and i'm not just saying this because when our robot overlords come and take over the world <laughs> i want them to know that i was speaking well about them i'm just saying <laughs> I love technology and I love the places it can take us and I'm super excited. So, uh, yeah, I think Pixar's next steps are going to be really crucial because, you know, when Steve Jobs passed away, Steve Jobs had this whole plan uh, like for five years, I think, for Apple. And in that five year plan, he kind of outlined everything he wanted Tim Cook to do. And I remember when he passed away, I thought to myself, um, And a lot of people felt like this, you know, Apple's going to be fine. They're going to be great. You know, Steve left his whole plan, but I was curious to see what was going to happen after those five years. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the Apple people to be like, oh, you're just saying that because you hate the Apple. No, it's not because I hate Apple. I'm saying this because this kind of feels like it's a reality. And if I'm wrong, please let's discuss, you know, leave me a comment and tell me why you feel I'm wrong and let's have a discussion about it. But Honestly, I think after the five years that Steve Jobs passed, there hasn't been a lot of innovation from Apple the way that there was while Steve was around. There's been a lot of iteration, but not a lot of innovation. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that Apple was known for, right? Mm -hmm. And Pixar is different because instead of leaving a five-year plan... You know, in Creativity Inc., which is Ed Catmull's book, he talks about how he wanted to create a culture at Pixar that superseded him. So that regardless of how long in the future was, that culture would speak for itself and the the company could maintain itself. And I think that's what he's done. You know, when you Mm -hmm. have guys, you know, like Pete Docter or Brad Bird that are just great at what they do visually and behind the scenes and then the director's chair and they can tell a story and you have this entire team of people that are upkeeping render man and just creating new technology and then like i don't know i think pixar is one of those companies that doesn't need a five-year plan you know if they're losing the people at the top because He's getting exactly what he wanted. The culture that he created at Pixar is what's going to help Pixar blossom for years to come. Yep, I totally agree with that. Uh, I have some interesting discoveries that I found in my research of Edwin Earl Catmull. Ooh, all right. They're They're actually coincidences with my own family history. Oh, no kidding. So I didn't know a whole lot about his early life, um, but... Ed Catmull was born in West Virginia and later moved to Utah. And you may remember, I too am from Utah. So I read a little further and discovered that uh, he went to Granite High School in Salt Lake City, Utah, where his father was the principal. My father graduated from Granite High School. 
What? Wow. Ed graduated in the class of 63, and my father followed seven years later in the class of 1970. I have yet to be able to confirm whether or not um, Mr. Catmull, the principal, was still the principal when my father was there, but I'm just... Once I can confirm that, I'll let you know. But that would be cool if he was still the principal when my dad was yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't heard back from my dad yet. I don't know if he'll remember because I don't remember the name of my high school principal. But I do. I, I even really? remember my elementary school principal. I can remember my elementary school principal, but that was only because he was arrested and hauled off in shame. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is Anyway, cool. uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was the first interesting thing I found is that kind of strange family overlap, uh, there. Uh, and then I started looking at, uh, Granite High School and some of their alumni who are famous. And one of their alumni from the class of 1925 is Lee Harline. Does that name mean anything to either of you? No, but I want to know who this person is. Lee Harline is a composer who wrote none other than When You Wish Upon a Star. (gasps) He composed over 50 songs for Disney, including many silly symphonies, and he did the entire score for Pinocchio and and wrote the song When You Wish Upon a Star. Graduated from my dad's high school in Salt Lake City, Utah. I had no idea about any of this until today. That's amazing. <laughs> that Isn't that is amazing? amazing? That's my favorite Disney film. And it's basically the Disney theme song. And this guy wrote it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's classic down the rabbit hole research on the internet. <laughs> but it was kind of cool to see that uh, all from my dad's high school. Dude, I'm I'm like I'm blown away. <laughs> I mean, I have little stories like that too about my high school, but I mean, man, <laughs> man, super it's, cool. It's just kind of kind of neat. I I had fun doing that research. I just kept finding new things. You win. I know. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> That's two points, Gavin. This episode. <laughs> Dude, that is seriously an awesome story. I love that. It's weird because you don't expect to be researching something and then find some sort of strange connection with it like that, you know? Like reading about a famous person and you're like, oh, wait, I've been to that building where you graduated high school from. Oh, man, so cool. Um, (laughs) I don't even know where to pick up from here. Well, I mean, let's close up the talk on Ed Cavill because I think we should just end the episode on that note. I think that's just a, a fantastic place to end on. When You Wish Upon a Star is so iconic. And it's just, I mean, if, When You Wish Upon a Star, and then look where he ended up. I mean, I right. know it was an Ed Catmull that wrote it, but still, I mean, same same place and everything. It's right. just like, oh, my heart is so warmed up right now, Gavin. You have no idea. <laughs> I just love it. It's yep. for dreamers So it's like Lee, Lee was right at the beginning of – 2d feature animation like he actually with a team composed the music for snow white and ed was at the beginning of 3d computer animation so they both kind of were at the beginning of brand new entertainment technologies which is (sighs) kind of cool and they both came from my dad's high school i love it (laughs) i love it uh well like i was saying earlier i think with ed catmull leaving i think pixar is gonna be just fine 
You know, oh, yeah. I don't think it's it's the end of an era. I mean, to many people, I think it will be because not seeing Ed there after so long, you know, I think is going to be a little jarring. But um, the fact that he's still going to be around, you know, to teach lessons to all the, the new people that are going to be taken over, I think is great. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to read Ed Catmull's book, which is Creativity, Inc., I strongly suggest it. Uh, he writes about what he learned about management while managing Pixar. And it was one of the greatest books that I've ever read. And I've also had a chance to listen to it because uh, on a couple of road trips, I downloaded the Audible version uh, to listen to while everyone else was asleep and I was driving. So it was fantastic to get a chance to just listen to it again. If you guys don't have Audible and would like to give it a shot, this is the perfect opportunity to download Creativity Inc. You can head on over to audibletrial.com slash If you get Creativity Inc., you are not going to regret it, especially if you are an animation nerd or if you just want to learn about an amazing management style because you want to go into that yourself or you you run a business or you just manage something somewhere learn from a pro learn from somebody that's been doing it a really long time and does it really well uh so audibletrial.com slash 30 day free trial you get this book for free and at the end of the 30 day free trial if you decide to cancel the book is yours to keep they also have a myriad of other books that you can check out as well including walt disney's book by neil gabler called walt disney the triumph of the american imagination it's also an amazing book it's unabridged so if you want something that you can just sit down and relax to while you're having a beer uh, when you're supposed to be mowing the lawn that's a great way to do it just sit outside or sit in your living room and just listen to it listen to it in the car i've been an audible customer now for almost 15 years and i love it it's one of my favorite services i don't get a chance to listen to it as much as i used to because my commute went from several hours to minutes you know so now i have to find other creative ways to listen to audible books but uh, i still love love doing it uh, if you want to give it a shot, again, audibletrial.com slash podcateers or go to podcateers.com and scroll down. You'll see the Audible logo there. The great thing about Audible, by the way, in case I, I, I didn't get a chance to mention it, they're owned by Amazon. So if you already have an Amazon account, you can easily log in with your Amazon credentials and set up your free trial. And, you know, next time you need to buy something on Amazon, great way to help us out as well is start that journey off at podcateers.com slash Amazon because there's a huge Amazon button there that you can click on. It'll take you to Amazon using our special link. Anything that you purchase will get us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon because you took a, a moment to do the clickety-clackety and go to Amazon using our link. Not going to cost you anything extra. It's super free except for a few clicks. But, you know, it helps us out at the end of the month. So to all of you that are already doing that, thank you very much. We truly appreciate the added support. Of course, another fantastic way to help us out is by becoming a fairy godparent of the podcast. If you want more information about becoming part of the FGP squad, you can head on over to podcateers.com slash FGP for more information. But Hazen, what is the FGP squad? Well, I'm glad you asked. The FGP squad are our fairy godparents. These are the group of people that help us out monthly with a contribution via Patreon. Uh, you can you can join the FGP squad for as little as $1 a month, but for a contribution of at least $5 or more, you do get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you from us. 
The new tiers are going to be coming soon, and one of the tiers is going to include a fairy godparent shirt and a couple of other things that we are working on. So thank you guys for all of your support. Um, You know, it's your support that has helped us grow and expand, and we're just continuing to grow and expand even further. So thank you guys. It truly means a lot to us. This is, I guess, the final plug for Walk for Hope. You know, this episode is launching on Halloween, and that is just several days before Walk for Hope. So, again, if you guys want to contribute, you guys want to help us out, TeamBoatWilly.com is the best place to do it. Again, I challenge you guys to donate $1. 500 of you, maybe more. Who knows? I know that there's, like, at least 12 of you listening. $1. That's how you got to donate. TeamBoatWilly.com. You'll see the donation links there. You can donate to the team or Hazen. My link or Gavin or Melissa, what, whoever. I mean, it's they're all there. All the links are there. But, you know, click on whichever one you want. I'm, I'm not going to say who you should donate to, Hazen. Because it's tight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and on that note, guys, it's time to end this episode. Cool. Yes, yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> it got me really excited. Uh, you guys didn't, don't see this, but I'm sweating a little bit because not only it's not only just hot in this room, but technology makes me sweat because, you know, <laughs> it makes me really, really excited. It, it definitely gets Hazen worked up. It's not also the beer that's coursing through my veins. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be that technology gets me really, really excited. <laughs> so until next week, here is to Beer Cheers and Mickey Ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Boo. Bye. Happy Halloween.